0: You're listening to the Toolstation Western League Podcast with Ian Knockolds and Tom Hiscott.
1: Welcome listeners to episode 28 of the Toolstation Western League Podcast with me, Ian Knockholds, and I'm delighted to welcome back to the podcast after a midwinter break. <laughs> it's Tom Hiscott, the editor of the Bulletin. Hello, Tom, how are you?
2: Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Yeah, a little short foray. Um, good to see you. Held it held it down last week as I, I trust you would. Um, yeah, good to be back and uh, actually plenty of football to talk about for once. Good.
1: Well, exactly. I mean, we actually did bring the listeners a bumper podcast um, mm. last week, but with very off the back of very little football to talk about. But um, we really are spoilt for choice with a pretty full roster of fixtures um, to look at uh, over the weekend, and it's a real relief because I think many people were concerned that the poor weather was going to continue and we were going to have another wipeout. And as the the season sort of staggers towards Mm -hmm. April the 25th and the final, you know, the final deadline for fixtures. It's getting increasingly concerning, I think, for everybody that um, we're wondering when these games are going to get played. So it's, it's really great news that we did have so many fixtures to talk about over... The weekend. Well, we've got a very full um, schedule of interviews for you on this week on this week's podcast as well. Paul Froud from uh, Buckland Athletic. He'll be making his debut, and another debutant will be Tom Smith, the new Welton Rovers manager, as well. And of course, later in the podcast, we'll be hearing the second instalment of um of my interviews with martin cassidy the chief executive of uh, ref support and that's a feature of our uh, campaign that we're of course running over the next four weeks to support our match officials across the western league and beyond because we really do love the whistle um we're going to kick our coverage off this week uh, tom not on saturday the 7th of march but on friday the 6th of march with a game that we did feature in your absence on um last week's podcast because I know you love a bit of Friday night football. Given Given the attendance at Caution, it would appear that the punters like it as well.
2: I think it's popular. I really do. Um, and I think, yeah, it's good to see that there have been more clubs this season uh, getting involved, I think. Um, and yeah, Caution were the latest uh, to host a game on, on Friday evening. And it, it went down well, obviously, a Wiltshire derby against Devizes. Uh, and 241 were there to take it in. So uh, a really good crowd and obviously a home win, which is, uh, yeah, what... what Many of those uh, would have wanted, I'm sure. They've got an unbeaten home run that they're maintaining this year, uh, 2020. Uh, so it was a, another good win for Caution, uh, and it was a youngster who uh, who made the difference. Uh, Under-18 player, uh, Jake Dodge. Uh, he came off the bench during the second half, uh, and he managed to to score the all important goal 20 minutes from time. Should add that they've just been reduced to 10 men as well just before scoring. So uh, yeah, pretty uh, pretty important uh, victory for Caution.
1: Well, and, and in many respects, also not a bad result for Devizes Town, obviously not the result that they would have wanted in terms of getting some points from the game. But I know that the performances of late have left the fans somewhat frustrated. And um, certainly from what I could follow on social media, it did look like Devizes put in a much better performance and uh, the, the scoreline would, um, would bear that out, wouldn't it?
2: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, to, to hold Colsham hold to a 1-0, to a um, obviously, as you say, it was another loss, uh, not had... Too many victories this season but yeah looking at where the both teams are on the table like okay, a good tussle on Friday night.
1: Absolutely, absolutely right. Now, I mean, of course, Friday night football. Um, I know you've been a big supporter of it for a long time, but we might we might be coming to terms. We might be coming to terms with Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday mm. night, Thursday night, and okay. Friday night football um, uh, over the coming weeks. But let's hope that the, uh, the the weather does improve. Anyway, we'll move on to Saturday, the seventh of March, and we kick things off in real style here buckland athletic were at home to bridport another very very good crowd for this one tom and it was an absolutely emphatic win for the home side
2: it was uh, an, an important day for the club uh, paying their respects to uh, chairman uh, roy holmes who obviously passed away recently uh, and yeah the the team definitely uh, stepped up uh, a five nil victory for the home side uh, an own goal setting them on their way in just the 14th minute uh, before ryan bush stuck, struck twice Uh, ...during the remainder of the first half... uh, ...to give them a a free goal lead at the break. Uh, Yeah, and then it was Nathan Cooper... ...powering home ahead pretty early in the second half... ...to to get the ball rolling again. Uh, And then it was Jamie Passmore... Uh, ...he completed the scoring late on. So yeah, big 5-0 win for for Buckland.
1: Well, Tom, you're absolutely right to point out... ...that it has been a difficult time... ...at Homer's Heath, since the passing of the... ...iconic Roy Holmes. And that's really where I started my interview... ...with Paul Froud, the, the Buckland Athletic Manager... Looking back on what was an incredibly comprehensive win for his side, but under very difficult circumstances.
3: No, you're right. Um, Roy had been ill for some time, but uh, that obviously doesn't make it any easier when uh, when it did happen. Um, a lot, a lot of thought has been with Roy, uh, and rightly so, and the family with Billy and Christine. And uh, uh, now we've been trying to sort of get on as best we can, and, and doing whatever we can to help. But um, no, Saturday was a really positive day for the football club uh, for a number of reasons obviously the main one is a little bit in memory of Roy um, and secondly obviously there's a lot of people there paying their respects and um, to top it off we, uh, we, we, uh, we had a good win so uh, I think everyone was pleased with, uh, with the way it went on Saturday
1: Twenty twenty so far hasn't been the easiest of years um, for you in terms of uh, in terms of your form. So I suppose that made not just the, the win on Saturday, but the manner with which you got it, um, really really pleasing for you.
3: Yeah, I mean it's been um, it's been a little bit up and down. I can't compliment the lads enough, to be honest. Um, I mean we lost to a very good uh, bitten team who would have beaten anyone on that day, um, and we've had some good wins ourselves, obviously. Going back to the beginning of the year, uh, winning away at Clevedon, uh Wellington or Down, and obviously Saturday's result was uh, was very pleasing, and the way we played was very positive. And, um but yeah, we we've it, it's been a little bit hit and miss, it's fair to say. Um, but we, uh, we we're pretty confident in the group we got, and um, excited about uh, excited about things moving forward
1: obviously we've got the rest of the season to um, to get out of the way first have you set a target for for where you want to finish this season
3: no not at all the only target I've set is for us to improve week on week if we do the right things and continue with good habits and play in the way that I want us to then the the results should follow and if the results follow then hopefully that will bode well for uh for a successful last sort of couple of months but um no, I, I don't get really, don't really get tied down or bogged down with sort of targets. The only thing I, I look at internally is uh, maybe taking games in five game blocks, and if you can pick up sort of two point games, then that would be would mean you'd have a very successful season. And if I looked at the sort of, I think I can't remember. If I've had nine or ten games now, but I think it's nine games, with five wins in the draw, so we're a couple of points behind that target. But that's my own little uh, idiosyncrasy, I suppose. I've not looked at any sort of final league positions where we want to finish. I just literally want us to improve week on week really.
1: Obviously Buckland um are a very ambitious club. I mean have you got sort of one eye on building momentum to go into next season's campaign? Fair
3: to say we've got half an eye on next season, but um summer's always a little bit of a of a circus anyway with with lads sort of Undecided on what they might want to do, or so we got half an eye on next season. We're not really thinking too much about that, we're just thinking, like I say, literally week on week, game by game, getting that little bit better. A little bit, yeah, we're looking for a little bit more consistency, obviously, but ultimately it's just to improve week on week which we are doing we've got a great group of lads and um, they're listening to what we're asking and playing the way that we want to play and uh, I think really sits the coach. so a little bit more consistency but all in all everything's been positive
1: You mentioned earlier in the interview uh, that you were impressed with um, with Bitten when you played them and of course you've recently come up against um, Bradford, uh, Bradford Town and, and Exmouth as well I mean generally yep. speaking in your time in charge which are, which are the teams that have impressed you the most?
3: Uh, obviously the ones you've mentioned there um, Bitten on the day we fell a little bit short of the standards that we'd set Bitten were they could do everything Um X-Math were fairly direct I don't think Kevin would mind me saying that but, um, they play a way that's difficult to play against um, and Bradford are a big powerful strong unit who, um, who are not too dissimilar to Exmouth in a way um, so that is kind of a little bit of a lesson for the Western League for myself coming in and I think a lot of people do invest in in good quality players at both ends of the pitch. So whether you go to down or whether you play Bradford, you know that you, you know it's going to be a test. So so yeah, that's what what I've learned in my short time in charge at the moment is uh, you, you have to be on it every week.
1: So you've got Roman Glass up next, then that's followed by Westbury. That's going to be two long trips and two very difficult games for you.
3: Yeah, um, we had similar. Uh, We went to Ord Down and then we followed that up with a midweek trip to Hallen. So, it's nothing the lads aren't used to. Um, The good thing is, we've got Roman the Glass away tomorrow, but lads are sort of moving their work schedules around. uh, There's a couple of boys I suggested maybe we have a rest and uh, and go again Saturday, but uh, they promptly told me, no, no chance, I want to be involved. So, we've got a full squad of people that, can't wait for each game so that um i think that bodes well in itself
2: because
1: you've got 16 games left to play this season and the weather isn't showing any signs of getting any better i mean how are you feeling about the fixture situation
3: i mean ultimately we yeah we've got a lot of games left but you'd rather play than train so we we just have to um hope mother nature is kind to us and uh We've we've got good numbers, so uh, every every week it poses me and Danny a problem because everyone's chomping at the bit wanting to play, um, and we, the, the good thing is we, we can we we can change things up and freshen things up as and when we see fit. So. We've got a lot of games, we've also got a lot of numbers, and obviously gives us a chance to, uh, to have a, look at, a good look at everyone.
1: Now, this month, uh, the Tool Station Western League have started a campaign to highlight the contribution that match officials make to our game. From your position yep. as a manager, what are you looking for in a, in a good quality match official?
3: Only that they do their best. Because, I mean... I I'm not really one to criticise match officials appreciate the job that they do we wouldn't be able to do what we do without them um, so, as long, uh, you can always forgive I can forgive mistakes and bad decisions uh, I haven't had cause to complain with any referee really up to this point uh, I wouldn't anyway because I know I know how difficult the job is um, so as long as you see that the referee's doing the best he can then you have to applaud that and uh yeah, Like I said, everyone respects the job they do and they know how difficult it is. So, um, no, The standard of officiating, I think, is really, really good.
1: And one final question, Paul. This is the first time we've spoken to you um, on the podcast. So can you tell the listeners a little bit about your journey to the Buckland dugout?
3: Uh, I was a young player at Talk United. Uh, it didn't quite work out for me. So I, I played a little on the uh, Western League circuit with Bedford Town, Cliff Rovers. Um, and also played for Newton Albert Spurs and Buckland Athletic uh, back in the Peninsula League days. So um, the, the club's familiar, familiar to me. Um, a lot of the faces remain the same. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I broke my leg playing quite badly when I was 29. Um, so did a few coaching badges, which led to um, some scouting work in the football league for Ipswich and Wigan. Uh, originally I, I, I got a call from Nick Milton who was the manager at Stoke Gabriel at the time to ask if I wanted to give him a hand I really enjoyed that um, then an the opportunity came up at Newton Albert Spurs which is a club that uh, is close to my heart because I played there for, for several seasons I um, feel like I did a pretty good job there and hopefully well, that reverberated around the local area and uh, I spoke to Adam about the, the, the opportunity at Buckland and I uh, felt like the, it was the right time to sort of test myself at a higher level and, and I find myself where I am now, I suppose.
1: And my thanks to Paul for his time. Now, moving on, uh, Odd Down, your, your team, um, mm-hmm. They've, um, they, both you and I are a bit of a curse, aren't we? We're a couple of Jonas because neither of our sides are doing particularly well this season and I'm afraid that poor runner form continued at home to Tavistock.
2: Yeah, unfortunately, still rooted to the the bottom of the table. Just the the three wins so far this season, and yeah, another another pretty heavy defeat. But it wasn't. First half went well. Uh, it was goalless at the break, so they did they did hold Tavistock at bay for for, for a long period, uh, and they looked pretty good uh, from all accounts. Bit bit of bit of improvement shown recently. Uh, but once Jack Crego had opened the scoring uh, from the penalty spot, the floodgates did open a little bit, uh, and uh, yeah, that was on the hour mark. So as I say, up not, not down holding. Holding holding their opponents uh, out for for 60 minutes. But yeah, once that that Craigo penalty had gone in, uh, Tavistock kept up the pressure and there was further goals from Liam Prynne, Warren Dore and Josh Grant. So helping them to a a pretty commanding 4-0 victory.
1: Now we move on to a real top of the table clash and um, Plymouth Parkway at home, well, you'd never want to bet against them. And in fairness, um, I didn't think Hallen, um, I knew they'd give them a good game, but I didn't think that they'd be able to take anything from uh, the Devon side, but um, I was wrong, wasn't I?
2: Yeah, and if anything they nearly got the, they deserved the three by the sound of it, the three points uh, they led for, yeah, well much, much of the game, a six minute uh, lead, uh, Aaron Anglin uh, obviously Halland had uh, had that long unbeaten run come to an end during the week but they rebounded uh, really, really well uh, yeah, as I say, Anglin put in the early, uh, and then Ed Bamfo uh, doubling the advantage just before half time uh, to make it 2-0 to Halland Uh, away at Parkway and uh, yeah they looked like the the first side that were going to knock Parkway off their perch for a little while but uh, yeah they were Parkway managed to get back into the game despite missing a penalty Uh, Shane Crack ballooning his uh, spot kick over the bar Uh, but a couple of minutes later it was Adam Carter the ever reliable Uh, he got them back into the game uh, half the deficit on the hour mark uh, thanks to a good bit of work down the left from Ryan Lane Uh, and then yeah in stoppage time Uh, pretty much the last kick of the game or the last attack definitely uh, Lane influential again, uh, pinpoint cross from him and it was met by the head of uh, Mike Landricum uh, and so yeah and that went into the back of the net and it was a, a two-all draw there so uh, yeah pretty dramatic uh, point game from Parkway and a bit, bit bit of heartbreak for Hallen who yeah came also close to a, a famous victory.
1: And finally on Saturday the 7th of March in the Premier Division Shepton Mallet took on Westbury. Now I thought this game was going to be close and it didn't disappoint.
2: No, absolutely. Obviously, Shepton started the season really well. Had a little bit of a dip, but they are uh, bang back in form. But obviously, yeah, also Westbury, are, uh, not 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 the easiest uh, side to knock off. They don't they don't concede many. So uh, yeah, it's uh, a pretty good pretty good defence. And uh, yeah, they held out for much of this game. But uh, during the last 20 minutes, uh, Shepton managed to to find their their shooting boots. And in particular, Jack Fillingham. Yeah, you know, he's very much back in form. Uh, and uh, yeah, his his two goals uh, put them two goals to the good. So after, yeah, Fillingham put them ahead just after the hour mark, uh, he scored again 15 minutes later uh, with his head uh, to double the tally. Uh, but then it was uh, Steve Holbert grabbing a late consolation for for Westbury. But it was, uh, yeah, Shepton who held out a 2-1 victory for them.
1: Jack Fillingham's his boots.
2: He absolutely does
1: that was the that's your newspaper that's your tabloid headline <laughs> i've got horrible feeling i've used that one before i'm be surprised i'm dipping into the back catalog now i need to come up with yes we need not we need new headlines <laughs> for jack Fillingham. that's what we need
2: if you're thinking
0: tool station, i know they'll save me money but do they have all the top brands you know dewalt makita einhell stanley myra kudox nest and santex yeah they do. Over 15,000 trade quality products in the range from the leading brands with prices that are hard to beat. If you want a helping hand to save on your next job, try Tool Station. To with over 300 branches, there's always a Tool Station near you.
1: Moving on to the first division then, and we kick off with Ashton and Backwell United against Lebec United. Now, Lebec were mauled at the hands of Basement Boys Bristol Telephones recently. How did they bounce back, Tom? <laughs>
2: With a, with a surprising result uh yeah of, the, of their own so obviously yeah having suffered that shocking uh, defeat as you just mentioned to the to the phones uh the, yeah they turned the uh turned turn their uh, fortunes around pretty quickly uh tuna win away at ashton and backwell uh, who'd won nine of their previous 10 so i don't think many people would have saw this coming uh, ashton and backwell dropped fifth uh, following the defeat obviously still very much in the title race and uh, yeah Could just well, they'll fingers crossed for them, it's just a blip. But a a 2 0 loss at home to to Lebec, definitely not not what many people would have seen coming.
1: No, absolutely, only their fifth defeat of the season as well. So, um, um, still a very formidable outfit, I'm sure. Uh, Now, we move on to Bishop Sutton, uh, where the visitors were table topping Carn Town. Bishop Sutton, of course, at the bottom of the table. Um, When I tell you that there were five goals in this one, Mm -hmm. perhaps we won't. We wouldn't assume that it was actually as close as it turned out to be.
2: No, um, um, incredible game. Um, obviously, as we say, bottom V top, probably, uh, yeah, calm hoping for for an easy afternoon, but they certainly didn't get that. Um, and they relied on the injury time winner to, to win. So uh, the three, three points, very, very hard to come by. But uh, yeah, they did just manage to sneak over the line. Uh, Bishop Sutton um, had an early penalty saved by Sam Thompson. So calm up against it pretty early on. But then uh, a couple of minutes later, they actually went ahead and it was obviously Stuart Windsor. Oh, it's always Stuart Windsor uh, adding another goal to, to his tally uh, to make it one nil. The home side did then hit back uh, after half an hour. uh, But then just before half time, Carl went back in front. Uh, Nathan Davis, pretty good finish uh, from all accounts by him uh, to make it two, one to the, to the visitors. Uh, Yeah. But, Bishop Sutton, though, um, fighting fighting for fighting for their lives a little bit, obviously a, uh, a little bit of a gap opening up just ahead of them, so they're desperate for points. Uh, and they managed to get back on level terms again, uh, just after the hour mark, uh, to, to leave the game uh, evenly poised going into that final 20 minutes. Uh, and then it was, yeah, another stoppage time winner, so there was a few of them over the weekend, uh, and this was one. Unfortunately for, for Bishop Sutton, uh, their keeper was uh, dismissed uh, in the 90th minute for for handling the ball out the outside the area, uh, and Carl took took uh, took advantage immediately. Uh, Jamal Chevalo uh, managing to to uh, score the score the score the winner that fifth and final goal as you say five goals there and the fifth coming in stoppage time for Carl uh, and a 3-2 win away for the table toppers away at Bishop Sutton.
1: Well, Hengrove Athletic proved that uh, anything Bishop Sutton can do, they can do a little bit better. Hengrove, of course, themselves haven't been enjoying um, uh, the most vintage of seasons as that club rebuilds itself after relegation from the Premier Division. But I think they've shone a light on what their ambitions might well be in the coming seasons. Wells City uh, uh, an awesome uh, outfit in the First Division. Again, fighting it out with the big boys at the top of the table. Only lost, um, well, before this game, four matches, but um, 3-2 the scoreline here, Tom, and a really, really impressive win for the Bristol side.
2: Yeah, an encouraging victory uh, for for Hengrove Taking on a a Wales side who, yeah, had won three on the spin uh, and made a really good start. A ninth-minute lead for them. uh, Handed to them by Craig Herrod, and it looked like Wales, yeah, as you say, not lost many this year. Probably powering on to another defeat, uh, another victory, sorry. Uh, But Hengrove definitely had other ideas. Uh, Less than five minutes later, back on level terms, uh, Adrian Thompson scoring for them uh, and then it was another a, a pair of quickfire goals from Pete Shepherd and Sam Payne uh, making it 3-1 uh, and putting them in a, a really sh- uh, strong position uh, and Wales had to, to find something and, and, and make a comeback uh, Harry Foster uh, did manage to half deficit midway through the second half uh, but yeah, uh, they weren't able to pluck out an equaliser and it was Hengrove um, who've now won four of five in, in all competitions so uh, yeah an upturn in form for them uh, and they managed to, yeah, defeat uh, a, a really strong and inform themselves well, City. So a good game, good game there on Saturday afternoon at Prapika. Uh, Papi- uh, Papi- uh, I can't say it. I'll just say on Saturday afternoon. <laughs> Paprika Park. There we go. I
1: don't know whether to take that or leave it in.
2: Please leave um, it in. <laughs> all
1: right. <laughs> <laughs> right then. Um, well, um, with that little bit of mirth, we we really have saved the best till last, particularly in the first division. Um, the final game we're going to cover is Welton Rovers against Bristol Telephones. Now, of course, um, we've featured Bristol Telephones recently on the podcast, and they have been in very good form. That's moved them um, off the bottom of the first division, back to back wins, and um, uh, really um, now they're, they're dragging devices in to the relegation mix up, as we'll hear a little bit later on in the podcast. So, Bristol Telephones are in form. Just a little bit above them in 17th place sits Welton rovers who recently am, uh, announced that tom smith has become the full time manager taking over from jared greenhall uh, well tom smith had a busy week leading up to this game because he brought in six new faces uh, and uh, that seems to have done the trick because you can't get much more emphatic than this result tom
2: no um yeah as you say uh, a lot of a lot of change at the club mid season uh, four debutants uh, started the game on saturday afternoon uh, yeah, and it seemed to make a, an immediate impact. A 6-0 victory uh, for Welton over, over Bristol Telephones in an absolutely dominant first half. Uh, so they really did fly out the blocks. I don't know what uh, the, the new manager said to said to the team, but it definitely worked. And 17 seconds it took for them to take the lead as well. So, uh, yeah, absolutely flew out the traps. Uh, and that was one of the new signings as well. Jacob Reader uh, putting them ahead uh, inside a minute. Uh, Rene Digbo and uh, Liam Evans then struck in quick succession to, to make it 3-0. Uh, before Sam Stoppard, uh yeah, brought, brought the curtain down on an excellent first half. Uh, a left-footed corner from him ended up in the back of the net, so maybe a little bit of fortune in that one. But uh, yeah, definitely wouldn't say the Green Army were fortunate to be four goals uh, to the good at half halftime. Uh, yeah, and uh, obviously, uh, as I say, instant impact from from the new the new uh, the new management staff and the players there. Uh, but they kept it going after the break as well. I Bo, uh scoring. Uh, early in the second half to make it 5-0. Uh, and then Chris Pyle, he's definitely not a new player. He's uh, He's been amongst the goals for a couple of seasons now for them. Um, popular popular member of the squad, I think, uh, and he scored in stoppage time uh, to make it 6-0. Uh, and cap a perfect afternoon for, for, for Welton.
1: Tom Smith's first game as well manager, a 6-0 win. This management lark's pretty easy, isn't it?
2: Baby steps,
4: baby steps at the moment, Ian, but uh, no better way of kicking off kicking off a managerial reign than that. But, uh, to be honest with you, mate, the, the, the boys earned it, played really well. I think it's been coming. Uh, a result like that, we've put in good performances against top opposition haven't really had the rub of the green. But, um, no, so we'll pay off on Saturday, mate.
1: I mean, to be fair to the telephones, they've come off the back of two wins. Their confidence is high. They've got themselves off the bottom of the table. Um, I mean, were you surprised just how well your side played against them on Saturday?
4: yeah i I thought it was going to be a difficult game, um like you said, looking at their previous results and uh, we knew they had some decent players from you know from when we played them before The boys played really well uh, from obviously we scored after 17 seconds, which always helped settle the nerves <laughs> but we we knew we had the ability in the squad it's just a case of putting it together, giving the players the belief, and once they had that, I mean if we can keep that going it'd be absolutely brilliant.
1: Now, one of the other things I would picked up on social media was the fact that um, you, you brought in quite a few players um, to the Matchday squad on, on Saturday. So, of course, that could always go one or two ways, particularly with people, you know, settling down in, into the team. But um, that seemed to go in your favour as well.
4: Um, with the weather being like, like it's been recently, what, you know, the only good point about it is that we've had time to, you know, introduce the players into training, into social activities at the club. Just so, so they were all settled ready for the match it wasn't no one was getting introduced to each other on the day. We already spoke to them we'd had two three weeks to speak to these players about what we wanted from them and you know how they were going to affect the team in a positive way and um, so yeah it was it wasn 't as risky as it may have sounded, and the players we brought in brilliant players, a lot with really good western league experience and yeah it gelled really well i couldn't have asked for a, couldn't have asked for a better start really in
1: yeah. one other um, thing I picked up on. Um, going into that game for you at, at the weekend was that it, there was going to be a minute's silence before the game for uh, a former chairman of Welton Rovers, Roy Kemp. Now, I understand that Roy, had a, uh, uh, Roy sadly passed away and I, I understand that he had a long association with the club.
4: He did. Um, I've been in and around Welton for over 10 years now and he was always a familiar face, always there watching. Um, I, I haven't been playing long enough for... For me to know him, you know, in his former role as a reserve manager, as well, I think, and obviously, groundsman, but he was always there supporting a familiar face, a lovely, lovely gentleman, and he'll be sadly missed at the club.
1: Well, I'm sure he'll be very pleased with your performance on Saturday, and I'm sure he wants want you to yes. keep it up. Um, yeah. Now, the last time I saw you play, it was a 4 0 demolition of Cheddar. Uh, and since then, you had games against Ashton and Backwell, Khan and Longwell Green, some of the real powerhouses of the First Division. It's not been the easiest of runs for you.
4: No, definitely not. Um, when I got appointed caretaker and we had a little look at the fixtures and, and, as you just said, we had three of the big boys early doors and I thought, well, you know, this will test us. This will, this will allow me to see, you know, who's up for it, who's up for the battle and who's not. Um We've done really well in those games, um, away at Ashton. You know, they were probably the better team, if I'm being 100% honest, but we were in the game all the way through, and we had some really good chances to you know, to get a point from that. Um, and Then we had to travel to Cowan on a Monday night, which is always a difficult one, trying to rally the troops for a Monday night for a long trip away. Keeper, unfortunately, got injured five minutes in. Um, I had to go and go myself, which isn't ideal. Um, But we battled all the way through, all the way through. And then at Longwell Green, we were unlucky not to get a point. So it was a bit of a baptism of fire, really, Ian. But um, we proved we we had the quality and the ability to push on and get results uh, against teams, which we later showed, obviously, Saturday against Telephones.
1: Um, Now, next up is another promotion chasing side in the form of Radstock Town. And Radstock have had a couple of disappointing results of late, so they really need a win to get their promotion pushed back on track. But is this game made harder because you're facing one of the top sides or because actually it's, it is, it's the Coalfield Classico, it is the derby for you?
4: It's always a hard game, Ian, always a hard game against Radstock because both teams are so up for it. Um, you know, it's, it's a massive one for the club, massive one for the players. But we've got to try and downscale that enough... To keep ourselves focused on getting the three points, which is the most important thing. Um, but yeah, keep that spice in it as well, so that so the boys are really up for it, raring to go, which which I'm sure they will be. And to be honest with you, is one that we we hopes on, and it's one that you know we just want to, we want to get out there and we want to get the job done.
1: Well, I'm sure both sides hope it's on because, of course, the fixture congestion is really starting to pile up now. You've got 13 games left to play this season, and less than two months to complete them. How do you feel about that?
4: I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, it's not the first time we've been in this situation. Obviously, over the last few years, we found ourselves in, in similar situations as, as of most clubs have. Um, but, you know, it's something we've got to deal with. As you, as you mentioned earlier, we've brought in a number of new sign-ins, and that is with, with this in mind as well, that this is going to be the case at the end of the season. Um, we feel like we've got a good, strong, deep squad, and, you know, we'll relish the challenge. I think that's the only way you can look at it. Otherwise, it starts to get a little bit... Hard work, if you like, um, but no, we're ready for it. We've got, um, like I said, we've got good depth, um, and I think I think we'll be absolutely fine with it. You,
1: you alluded to it earlier in the interview. Um, you're um, not just a manager, but you're a you're a player manager. Will you be carrying on in that capacity for the rest of the for the rest of the season?
4: Uh, I will be. Yes, um, I'm very fortunate. I've got a fantastic assistant, Will Justin, who is a very very experienced. Western League keeper, he was, um, he is, he's decided to step down, hang the gloves up, just to focus on, on the managerial side, so that I could continue to play when, when needed, and he, and he can control the dugout. Um, so I'll be continuing to do that for the, you know, for the foreseeable future, unless anything changes, but I'd like to be in a situation where I could bring in enough experience and enough quality where, you know, I, I'd struggle to get back into the team, and we know that if that happens, then we're, we're not too far away.
1: Now, am I right in thinking that um, you once um, came out of playing outfield and went in goal in a rather important promotion-deciding match at Cheddar a few years ago?
4: Yeah, that is correct. That's one that has stayed with me for a long time, Ian. Um, yeah, we, I think we, think we needed a draw for promotion away at Cheddar and, unfortunately, Andy King, who was in goal for us, had a, had a really nasty facial injury 20 minutes in, I think. Just in case we needed the point, I don't think uh, the manager had put on a a sub-keeper in case he needed to bring a striker on to get the goal. So, yeah, I had to put the gloves on. Fortunately, it went the right way. The outfield players looked after me a little bit and and got the goals we needed, and it was a hell of a day in the end. It was brilliant.
1: Well, you've experienced, of course, those highs, and I'm sure that the Green Army will want you to bring them back to West Clues. I mean, just before we we go, um, this is going to be the first time that um, many of the listeners will have heard from you. Of course, uh, Welton fans will know you very well. But can you tell us a little bit about your footballing journey to the Welton dugout?
4: As soon as I became an adult, I, I played all my youth at Westfield Football Club just at the road. I played uh, a couple of uh, years in that first team. And then when Nick Beaverstock and Andrew Catterley were in charge, they wanted me to come down to Welton. And, and ever since then, I haven't really looked back. Just sort of played through, like you said earlier, had some highs, had some lows. Got great experiences at the club, know everyone at the club and I've always wanted to get into managing. So just the fact that I know the club so well and I'm comfortable with everyone at the club just makes my life a little bit easier. Um, I've been able to sort of see what I think, where what direction the football, football team needs to go and the club and I work very closely with the fantastic board we've got with Gareth and Malcolm and everyone else on it. Um, so yeah, it just seemed like it seemed like the perfect time and the and the perfect step for me to to you know to step in and, and try and push the club in the direction where, where we think it should be really.
1: And my thanks to Tom for his time. Uh, we'll have a look at the fixtures coming up uh, the week ahead. We've got some we've got some really good midweek fixtures but of course as um it takes a couple of days to get the podcast up together it's not always um, possible to get this out before you'll have listened to them so uh, we'll focus our attention on uh on saturday the 14th of march and uh, if we look at the premier division roster there tom which um, which which fixture have you picked out
2: mm-hmm. i don't like always looking straight at the top but i have gone for Plymouth part they've got a, a game against roman glass at george um uh, obviously Roman glass uh, a couple of 2-1 victories come from behind wins uh, since they've uh, returned to action obviously a uh, quite a lot of abandonments uh, around the leagues but they managed to, to sneak in two matches last week two 2-1 wins uh, so they've uh, yeah found a little bit of form and they take on a partway team uh, who obviously had that defeat in the in the Vars, uh, followed by a uh, yeah well last second draw at home to Hallen on the weekend so they'll be uh, yeah uh, looking for for a bit of uh, yeah they need to yeah find their shooting boots again and get back back amongst the the victories so uh, a tough 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 afternoon potentially for them against a, a, a surging Roman Glass team.
1: Now I'm going to go for a proper mid-table battle. I think this one is where the real value is. Westbury United entertain Buckland Athletic, eleventh take on twelfth. Um, Westbury, of course, we know are formidable opposition for anybody on their day, but Buckland look like they've come right back into form. Um, as we uh, as we get to the business end of the season, so I think they'll give the Wiltshire side a very stern test, and uh, that's where um, that's where I'm going to go for my game of the day in the Premier Division. As we move into the First Division, Tom, um, what uh, what uh, game have you picked out?
2: I think I stole the one you would have uh, you would have plumped <laughs> for, but I've gone for, for Radstock versus Ashton and Backwell. So we've got sixth versus fifth as uh, as it stands at the start of the week. Uh, both very much in in the title chase, uh, despite dropping. Each dropping points on, on Saturday afternoon. Obviously, we've we've mentioned how, uh, yeah, Ashton and Backwell will probably want to uh, bounce back pretty quickly following that uh, shock defeat on the weekend. So, uh, yeah, be interesting game game between those two, I think.
1: And I'm going to go for Sherbourne Town against uh, Cheddar. Um, Sherbourne are in very good form at the moment. They've got themselves up to second place in the uh, in the first division. Absolutely no reason to believe that they aren't going to um, stay there. And Cheddar, of course, I've um, had my eye on them all season. Uh, a, a, a side capable of very good things and also... They've lost a fair few as well this season, but uh, I think that they'll really rise to the occasion um, and uh, that could provide a very stiff test to Sherbourne Town. So that's the uh, that's the match I'm, I'm going to pick out. Now, before we move on to have a look at the, the league tables, um, I'm going to bring you the second instalment of, um, of our series of in- interviews with Martin Cassidy, the Chief Executive of Ref Support. Now, of course, this is very much a central theme of our campaign to love the whistle, to promote the match officials um, that, um, that officiate our matches across the Western League and, of course, beyond. Now, in this latest interview, I start by talking to Martin about the criticism that officials get. And I asked him whether he was more concerned about the criticism that comes from players and managers or the criticism that comes from supporters on the sidelines.
0: I think it's, it's all you above. I think it's absolutely all of the above. And we, we have made a conservative effort to, to, to address online abuse. You've only got to see what's happened recently in, in the national news of what online abuse can do. And why should referees as individuals be any exception? And, and it's, it's been really interesting this, this last, say, week or so because there's people I've seen on Twitter who are abusing referees almost weekly. Some of the abuse might be soft abuse you know, blaming him for the goal, he's missed a penalty, it should never have been a red, some are a bit more personal, which have resulted in reports. But And then these same people are then tweeting how terrible it is that people are committing suicide because of online abuse. Now, the hypocrisy of that is breathtaking. So that's the first point I, I, I want to be able to make on that. But the reason we've done it, we feel, is that clubs, players and... Managers have got away with it for too long It's just venting their spleen on Twitter and thinking no-one's going to answer them back. The FA never answered them back. Referees are told not to have social media accounts at any league level and at grassroots level, they're encouraged not to comment on their particular match. And that's very frustrating, particularly when we've been to a match and we've watched the referee have you know a good team an excellent game, might have missed something. But these referees, they're absolutely castigated for making mistakes, like a dodgy offside, a dodgy free kick, a dodgy penalty. But no one says anything about the player that scores an own goal, the player that gets a stupid second yellow. He's already yellowed and he says something stupid to the referee. So the hypocrisy of some of the Twitter accounts is that they won't say anything to their own players, but they'll, they'll, straight away they'll, they'll jump Right, right, on the referee's back—a really good example was, was, was last week in the, um, the Forest West Brom game, and we even had a, had a, a Twitter exchange with, with Lee Westwood, the, the famous golfer, because he was naming and shaming the referee, calling them all, you know, all the names under the sun. And I hadn't—I hadn't looked at it, and people were saying to me, "Oh, you haven't seen the game? I'll in you comments." But we were comments on the abuse, the validity that people think. Just because the referee's had a bad game, we can go out and absolutely slaughter them. Now, when I looked at that game, the Forrest game, Forrest had lost possession down one end, which should have been a free kick. Everyone knows it now. It should have been a free kick. The referee never gave the free kick. The ball went down the other end. Forrest scores. Forrest went mad. But no one said anything. That goal was an on goal. All they concentrated on was that one mistake by the referee, which missed the free kick. The ball went through the midfield, through the defence, went wide. Cross the box, an own goal. Now, really that's ridiculous, isn't it, to think that three phases of play nearly have resulted in an own goal. But let's forget about that. Let's play the rest. And these are the sort of things that we just think we can't, we can't leave them un, un, unaddressed. Yeah. And we've, we've done a blog on, the, on our website, uk about the connection between crime and referee abuse. We say it. In Liverpool, where I was born, and people might find this it's, you know, stereotypical, but the kids used to steal uh, the signs off the back of the car. And, you know, the Beastie boys used to have a, a Volkswagen sign around their neck, and people used to copy that, and, and, and they'd take various signs and put it on the bedroom door, and then these people would try and get the boot of the car and take, take the shows out, and then you will get the radio by getting the door, and then eventually they take the car, have a car crash, and someone gets serious injured. I would quite that back to referee abuse. We think the taking of the sign is the online abuse. The taking of the of the tools is these comments on, on the field of play. The taking of the radio is the comments in the bar. And the taking of the car off in the car crash is when a referee gets physically assaulted. Yeah. So our strategy is just like they do with crime, if you address it early on in the process, it's probably not going to escalate or people will be a bit more aware of what the problem is. And that's why we do it.
1: And my thanks to Martin for his time. And, of course, you'll be hearing the third instalment of that series of interviews on next week's podcast. Now, before we wrap things up, we will be taking a look at the league tables. Um, uh, and there's been a little bit of movement. I think it would be fair to say, Tom, we've we've got an awful lot of fixtures to come, of course, over mm-hmm. the next um, few weeks. But um, at the moment, um, well, do you want to take us um, through the, the runners and riders at the top of the Premier Division?
2: Gosh, yeah, it's definitely tightened up. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> So we've got Plymouth Parkway. They currently sit top. They've played 23 matches. Uh, they've got 59 points. Uh, Tavistock, big win Saturday afternoon. 25 games played, so a couple more than Parkway. They're also on 59, so level on points at the top of the division. Bradford, who've had a, yeah quite a lot of games postponed. They're going to uh, be on the catch-up, aren't they, soon? There's going to be, I think, three games in a, in a week and, and such for them. Uh, they've only played 22 matches. They're on 58 points. A couple of teams have, have leaked them recently. Uh, you've then got Hallam, uh, excellent season for them. they up in fourth, 29 games played, so quite a few more uh, than the, the top three. They're on 57 points, uh, and then Exmouth, 25 games played, they're on 56, and then one point further back we've got Shepton Mallet, who are, yeah, back in back in back in form. 27 games played, uh, they're on 55, so just four points covering the top six. So yeah, fascinating times at the top of the Premier Division.
1: And I think as the season progresses, particularly if we find that clubs have to, they're forced into playing, say, four games a week, and mm. um, potentially even more if the bad weather continues. Then, because um, we've seen that before, haven't we, with Buckland Athletic, yeah. of course, a couple of seasons ago, nine games in twelve games. I mean, that's not only is that going to test the depth of the squads, but actually, it, you know, it, it, I think we'll have a big factor on. Clubs that have got the points on the board could actually find themselves in a stronger position than those with the games in hand. Um, And that could really change things up at the top of the Premier Division. Down at the bottom of the Premier Division, um, Odd Down um, have played 28 matches. They have got 10 points. Two points above them, Wellington, in, 20, in 20th position, they've played a game more. Chipping Sodbury, just above Wellington, four points above Wellington, I should say, uh, in 19th. They've played 27, the same number of games as Bridport, um, who've um, who've got a point more, 17 points in their 27 games. And then there's um, a seven-point gap between Bridport and Cadbury Heath. So uh, those are your bottom four in the Premier Division. And, well, if we can make any sense of it, at the top of the First Division, um, Tom, um, um take us away there
2: i'll try my best not quite as tight as the uh, the premier division has uh, as as turned out but um yeah still just five points covering the top five so anyone's anyone's guess how it's going to turn out uh but fortunately quite a lot of them have played a, a similar amount of matches which is which is helpful so you've got Cowan at the top uh 26 games played they're on 56 points uh, you've got sherborne in second 25 games played so a game in hand they're on 53 so they're three back you have got Longwell Green, who've played 27. They're on 52 points. Uh, and then you've got a pair of teams in Wales and uh, Ashton and Backwell. Both played 26 and they're both on 51 points. So that's how the top five sit. And then you've got Radstock, quite a few games in hand. They're on, played 23, so at least two on the rest of them. They're on 45. So if they, they do uh, continue to, to win those games, they could could sneak up on a few sides. But yeah, that's how the top six uh, lie in the moment, at the moment in the first division.
1: Yeah, Radstock having only played those 23 matches, though, um, with those extra games to come
2: yeah. um, in
1: the run in, I, 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 I do wonder whether that will be significant. And of course, yeah, so still,
2: a, still 15 games for them to to play yeah. in, the, in the league. That is a considerable amount, isn't it?
1: Absolutely right. If we look at the bottom, um, it's a little bit neater down at the bottom of the First Division. Um, the bottom four have all played 25 games, so this makes um, the statistical analysis a little bit clearer. Mm-hmm. Bishop Sutton sit on the bottom. They've got 12 points. Two points above them are Bristol Telephones, who have been showing very positive signs, although I'm sure Bishop Sutton um, will be buoyed um, by that performance against Carn. Uh, Devises Town certainly had a reaction against um, Caution, but they're only one point now above Bristol Telephone. Devices in in 18th, and then there's a 10 point gap between devices and Welton Rovers. And of course, if Welton Rovers continue with the uh, the performances that they enjoyed at the weekend, then I don't think that they've got anything to worry about in terms of getting dragged into that race um, down at the bottom. So um, so that's that's the bottom of your first division. We have of course, Tom, been reviewing your excellent bulletin, mm. and um, uh, just in case there is any. Um, Anybody in the universe, let alone listening to this, who doesn't know <laughs> who doesn't know where to find the Western League bulletin? and um, um, where is that available?
2: Yeah, you'd hope they'd know by now. I think this is the number 32. Came out on, on Saturday evening. Uh, so that is on the uh, yeah the Tour Station League website. Uh, there is a tab along the top uh, which takes you to the most uh, recent uh, publication where you can download it as a Word and, and PDF uh, document. Uh, it's also on the homepage, about halfway down as well. So there's a couple of places where you can find the bulletin.
1: And I think as the weeks roll on, we'll be covering more information about not only um, the, um, the the fixtures, the remaining fixtures for the end of the season, and whether there mm. is any prospect that the Western League can get an extension to the end of their season, but also we'll we'll be focusing on matters of um, promotion and relegation as well from um, from our divisions. But from Tom and myself, you have been listening to another Tool Station podcast